Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Thank you for checking out our new YouTube channel that Pastor Gary set up for us, and Susie's helped me record this this morning. And we had a good meeting yesterday, uh, Susie, Gary, Casey, and I, and we're planning uh, ways to keep connected during the next uh, few weeks, and whatever time it takes, and uh, we will keep you informed. Be sure to check out our church webpage uh, daily. We will like to have some uh, devotional thoughts and let you know what's happening. And also, next Sunday, we are planning to put together a full service. We weren't quite ready for that today, but we are for next Sunday, and uh, we will let you know about that as well, so uh, please stay in touch on that. And again, thank you for spending some time with us this morning. Uh, this is a, a hard time, of course, that we can't gather as a church family. But I uh, just want to remind you, we are still the church, and we want to continue to be the church in our community. Some years ago, well, also, in case you didn't know, last week, it was actually an important Jewish holiday. And uh, synagogues around the world, they celebrated what's called a Purim. And it began last Monday and went through Tuesday, unless you were in Jerusalem, and it began on Tuesday. It's a whole different story as to why. But anyway, it's the story from the book of Esther in our Bible. Uh, many years ago, I had the opportunity to attend a Purim celebration uh, down at the uh, synagogue in South Seattle that my father's family is connected with. At this, It's a very uh, festive occasion, a lot of celebration. Kids love this holiday. In fact, it's not in the Torah. It's not in the books of Moses. It's only in the book of Esther, but it is prescribed there to be celebrated. And uh, you come to the, the Purim festival, there's all sorts of costumes, some really crazy costumes. There's a lot of noisemakers, uh, a lot of food, uh, a lot of celebration. It's a really uh, happy celebratory holiday, almost to the extent at times. And uh, during that uh, celebration, one of the key characters, the key characters in this story, as we'll see, are the king of uh, Persia, the Medo-Persian king. Mordecai the Jew, his uh, niece Hadassah, and uh, Haman, who is a descendant of the Amalekites, who was an arch enemy of uh, Mordecai. And every time Haman's name is mentioned, the kids have a great time uh, rattling the noisemakers, boo, hiss, and all sorts of cacophony of noises every time his name is mentioned. The book of Esther uh, takes place during the time of King Xerxes, uh, he ruled in uh, the Persian, uh, we, call it, we call it the Medo-Persian Empire. It was the most prominent and powerful empire on the earth at that time. And just to summarize the introduction of the story from the book of Esther, he had a uh, feast and he invited his queen, Queen Vashti, to come and to show off her beauty to everybody. And she refused. Uh, it was not a really good choice on her part. Uh, queen Vashti uh, refused to come and because of that, uh, she lost her place as queen, uh, maybe her life, uh, but she was done. And so uh, there was a need for a new queen in the empire of Persia. And in the book of Esther, uh, we find out that uh, there is, for lack of better, some of you may, some of you of a certain generation may know this from the uh, Veggie Tales, the stories, and, uh, and for lack of better uh, terminology, there was a beauty pageant, if you will, and uh, all the young maids of the land, uh, Several of many of them had opportunity for a whole year to uh, go through all the cosmetics and everything needed to uh, make themselves presentable to the king. 
and to uh, come into his presence and spend the night with the king. And uh, the winner of the pageant would be the new queen, the one that he chose. And so um, Hadassah, which is her name in the Hebrew, and her, the story is Hadassah's parents had died, and she was then taken in by her uncle Mordecai. Now, some of the translations and the, the Jewish translations use the term godfather. Uh, he raised her. And we find in chapter 2 that the, uh, the king's um, attendants said, Let's all the, let, let all the beauty, beautiful women in the world and the country come forth. Let a search be made for beautiful young maidens for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. And let them be placed in care for this year. And uh, then they would uh, choose which one, the king would choose which one would be the, the new queen. And it says, Mordecai, there was a Jew in, the, in the, tri the tribe of Benjamin in Susha, and his name was Mordecai. And Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother in chapter 2 of Esther, and in verse 7. And she was known as Esther. And she was a lovely form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. And she drew the attention of one of uh, the king's uh, servants, and he took a special uh, care of her, uh, Haggai, the, the king's servant. And we see uh, later on in chapter, in the same chapter, in the section beginning in verse 15, and Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther, to Hadassah, more than to any of the other women, and she was in his favor. She won his favor and approval more than any of the other maidens. And he set a royal crown on her head, and he made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, and all his nobles and officials, and proclaimed the holiday throughout the provinces, and distributed gifts with royal liberality. And so uh, Esther comes into this role as the new queen of uh, the Persian, Medo-Persian Empire. Another side, side aspect of the story, another aspect that you should keep in mind for later on because it does become very important, it says during the time, during this time, in verse 21 of chapter 2, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the door, became very angry. And they conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot, told Queen Esther, who in turn reported to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on the gallows. All of this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. Remember that part of the story for later on. Then comes uh, the, uh, the man who gets all the boos and hisses and noisemakers, Haman. Chapter 3, after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. And if you read the history of these people, he is a descendant of the Amalekites. And he was uh, put into a position <coughs> excuse me, of power in the reign, and he rose to great heights. And Haman uh, would come through the town to, to the court, uh, the royal court, and when he came, everybody would kneel and bow before him, which, of course, he loved. But we see in verse 2 of chapter 3, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. 
Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them he was a Jew. doesn't really tell us why he wouldn't bow down to Haman. Of course, the supposition is because he only bowed down to God. Others think it was because of the, the, the long-standing uh, rivalry and issues between uh, the Malachites and the Israelites. He chose not to bow down <clears throat> to honor uh, Haman. So Haman concocts the plan, and the way to get rid of Mordecai is to get the king to agree, basically, to annihilate all the Jews in his kingdom. Now you got to remember at this time that this kingdom is over the entire portions of that Middle Eastern section of the world. It is, it is a ruling uh, kingdom on earth, uh, even, even uh, superseding Egypt and all others militarily at this time. It's a big kingdom. And there are a lot of Jews who are living in this kingdom because they've been spread throughout this empire after the exile uh, from Israel. And so the very life of the Jewish people was at stake here as Haman concocts his plan and gets agreement by the king to destroy all the Jews. And they were going to go throughout the, the, throughout the known world at that time and they were going to destroy all the Jews and they had papers and edicts from the king that nobody could withstand and this would be the end of the Jewish people in this empire and possibly of the Jewish race. And so it's in these difficult times that we come to chapter 4. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes. He went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went out only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. And of course, nobody comes before the king's court looking like that. In every province which the edict and order of the king came, there was mourning, great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, wailing, and many of them lay in sackcloth and in ashes, as according to Old Testament custom of mourning. Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai. She was in great distress. She sent clothes for him and put on, and put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. And Esther summoned Hathrock, one of the king's eunuchs, aside to attend her. And, he ordered, and she ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai. Why is he doing this? And he went out to Mordecai in the open square in the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of Jews. That's part of the story as well, that Haman agreed to pay money to get this accomplished. He's so angry. He's so upset with, with, with Mordecai. To get rid of him, he'll kill the entire Jewish population. He also gave a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susha, to show to Esther and explain to her. He told him to urge her to go into the king's presence as the queen, go into the king's presence, and to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathach went back, reported to Esther what Mordecai had said, verse 9. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal providence know that any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he put them to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and to spare his life. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king, as there is saying, Look, everybody knows, nobody just approaches the king. You don't do that unless you're summoned. And if you do, 
you will be killed. The only exception, the rare exception, if you come in uninvited, would be if the king extends to you the golden scepter, then you know that you can talk. But that was very rare. Your life is at stake to go before the king if you had not been invited. Esther's words reported to Mordecai. And Mordecai sent this answer back to Esther, to his goddaughter, to, to this young... Incidentally, Esther's probably a young girl, maybe the age of uh, girls in our youth group at this time. And, and, he, and he sends this message back to this beautiful young lady that he has helped raise and he loves. And he says this in verse 13, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent back this reply to Mordecai, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susha and fast for me. Do not eat or drink. For three days, night or day, I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king. And even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. Mordecai, I'm going to go. And so Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. That ends chapter four. And I'm gonna end here too. Uh, you have some time off today, most likely. And, um, you know, uh, we have kind of a imposed Sabbath, don't we? None of us were planning on this, but there's no sporting events today except replays. And uh, there's not a lot of large gatherings. There's no large gatherings and not many small ones either. And so you have some time off today. And so I'm going to encourage you. You can take a few minutes and finish this story. It's only about six pages in my Bible. It's ten chapters, six pages to go here. And I'd encourage you to take some time and uh, finish the story of Esther. Most of you probably know how it ends up. Like I said, a certain generation of you know it from Veggie Tales very well. But also, the fact that I told you it's a celebration of noisemakers and fun and food and everything else, uh, you probably know it ends up good. But why don't take a few minutes to read it. The moms and dads, maybe you sit out with your family, uh, read the story of Esther. On Purim, they read it. Uh, before the celebration, they read it afterward. But I wanted to do this for uh, the following reason, of course, and that is that one sentence in here. And that's when Mordecai says to Esther, who knows, but you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. And it's that phrase that I've been thinking about. You've heard uh, over the last uh, weeks, of course, that we are living in uh, unprecedented times right now. And you know that's really true. For many of you, uh, you have been through life and death situations in your life, uh, things that have affected you personally, maybe in a lot different way, in, in difficult ways than what's going on today. But for those who have been uh, impacted by this virus, that this coronavirus that's going around, of course it is very serious. And we know in our community especially, King County area, the Puget Sound area, we are what they call the epicenter of this. It's very serious. We also know that that as a community, and as a church community, this definitely is unprecedented. I can't think of a time that we've never been able to meet as a church family other than a few snow days uh, here and there. 
But right now, we are not able to meet together. Normally, in times of stress and difficulty and, and crisis is when we come to church. And in fact, we see more people come and join us because there's a felt need to be together, to support one another, to pray together uh, for our community, for our families, and for our witness. But right now, we're not able to do that. And we understand why. Uh, we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, this is a health a condition and the health experts have advised and, and, and determined that the best way to to, to to slow it and to bring it to an end is for everybody to participate and do what is reasonable. So we as a church family, we want to do that. And we're going to do that. But we are going to stay connected. Now I want to challenge you with this thought. In God's uh, sovereignty, you are alive today at this time. You are in your community, your home, your neighborhood, your apartment house your family. We are here today. And who knows but that God has you where you are today for such a time as this, that you can show the love of God, the confidence in God, participation and to share in the times like this, and that we as a church family are here to share in this time. We have been studying Second Timothy together, and we are going to take a little break from that. Beginning next Sunday, when we put together a service for you and uh, to have online, and we're going to begin a, a journey for Easter, looking toward Easter. We don't know if we're going to be able to gather by Easter. We certainly hope we can, but right now we just have to take it week by week. But we've been studying 2 Timothy together, and we saw this passage, and I just want to remind you of this today, that the, that the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy said this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And this is a time of, of fear. A lot of people are afraid. We understand why. You know, the children are afraid. Now, these are unprecedented times. And I just want to remind you that as, as a church, and we are the church, the church, of course, you know, is not, a, is not a building. A building is where a church gathers. The church is the body of Christ. And wherever we are, we are the church. The Brave Bible Church does not cease to exist because we cannot gather together. We are the church, the body of Christ. And God has placed you where he wants you. And so I would like to encourage you that during these days that we show to our family and friends the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The Bible tells us that the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. We have God's power to overcome fear. And I want to encourage you today as you read God's word to be reminded of the power and the presence of God in difficult times like this. And since we cannot gather and share that presence together, you share it where you are. You share that power of God that demonstrates that we believe in a God who is greater than anything and is God over all, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's given us a spirit of love. And this is the time that we have an opportunity to show God's love. Have we called up a friend or a neighbor that may need help right now? Have you called to encourage, to send an encouraging word? Are you looking for ways to serve, to share, to be a part of this community and to share the love of Christ? Perfect love, the Bible tells us in 1 John, perfect love casts out fear. And this is a time when God's people and God's family, above all times, need to share the love 
of God. And there are many ways, and I'd like to encourage you, look for ways to share God's love where you are. God has placed you where you are at this time. His purpose, share His love. Be a part of the solution. And finally, the last thing Paul says, of self-discipline. I learned it in King James translation, of a sound mind. It's a, it's a time to, to seek God's will. Listen, as Christians, uh, we don't need to be the ones hoarding things. Yes, having a reasonable supply, uh, in case of quarantine and your quarantine, um, that's reasonable. But we're not the ones that are out hoarding. We aren't the ones looking for just ourselves. This is a time where we, we make good choices, good decisions. We as a church family, we're, we're trying to make good decisions, trying to, trying to determine what are reasonable things for us to do. Uh, what are reasonable ways we, we could uh, support and encourage one another? We're going to explore those more, of course, in the days to come and ask for your guidance, for the Lord's guidance, and for your prayers as well. But it's a time to make good choices and uh, pray for one another. Have a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline that overcomes fear. And, and, and be that person that shares that and in opportunities to share the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be the church. We're going to have to be the church in maybe some new and creative ways that we haven't thought of. And maybe this will be good for us to do this and really explore this as our testimony and our participation and our love. And let's pray. You know, uh, it's interesting that, you know, we've been asked to pray today. And I think as Christians, we should pray. God is, you know, as, as Mordecai uh, told Esther, God is in charge. He said, Esther, if you choose not to, God's going to use someone else to save his people. Because Mordecai knew, like the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9, God always maintained a remnant of believing Jews. He, he, knew the, he knew what God had promised his people. And he said, God's going to see to it, but perhaps he's put you where you are right now to use you to accomplish this. And so we, as God's people, we should be the first to be praying and asking God for relief from this crisis, that this virus would be stopped. There are many, many people around the world who are suffering greatly. And we should be the ones praying to God and joining in our prayers uh, for this and, for, and asking God that this, this would come to an end, that it would be squelched. And in the meantime, that we do our part as a church family to be a part of the solution, not the problem. We are here to serve you, to minister to you. Our office will be open during this time. Uh, feel free to call us. Any pastoral needs that are, come up, of course, we will attend to. We've asked our elders to be available as well. To, to support and encourage you. And I just want to ask you again, uh, who can you who can you call, call and encourage and support? We're even exploring ways our young people, young adults can help if there are needs for people uh, to get groceries, maybe medications, whatever things are needed. Uh, we are exploring those things. We're here to help. And we're going to stay connected as best we can through the media and through uh, notifications, through devotionals. And again, we pray God's blessing on you and ask that you continue to pray for the Lord's ministry and for our community. Can you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you this Lord's Day. Uh, this is our Sabbath of rest. It's the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, first day of the week. And Father, it's an unusual a Sabbath for us. Uh, in some ways, a forced Sabbath of many things that we get used to doing, even on uh, Resurrection Day, that uh, right now uh, we have time to, to meditate on your word. We have time to really spend time in, in prayer. We have time to spend with our families. We have time to teach our children and young people and share with them. And Lord, uh, we have time to be a witness to our community of your love, your care, and your 
uh, your, your, your salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. May we be that witness. May we be that light. And may we be those, Lord, who are not taken by fear, but that we are able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, demonstrate your power and your love, and that we can have uh, sound minds and self-discipline in the way we conduct ourselves as your family during these times. In our Savior's name, we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, his name of all names, amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking a few minutes and stay in touch, and uh, we will stay in touch with you. Thank you.